If you're visiting, I want to welcome you. My name's Jose. I'm the lead pastor, and we've been in this series called Incorruptible Love. We had Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, the groundhog saw its shadow six weeks of winter. We're at church. I saw my shadow, so we have six more weeks of this series. Aren't you excited to continue through this series where Paul is training us to have incorruptible love for him? That's the verse, Ephesians 6.24, last verse of the book, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. That's what he's teaching us, and today we're going to flip the page. We've been looking at the last four weeks, God's love for us. So we started by seeing that we are chosen by God. Nothing that we could do to earn God's love. He chose us. He calls us his sons and daughters. And then we looked at a prayer that Paul gave us, and we learned about the importance of prayer and how to pray incorruptibly no matter what circumstance we may be going through. And then Paul gives us a, a, a testimony, what God has done in and through our lives. So we looked at how God's story is one where he's the hero, not us. Remember that message from Sean? And then last week, we looked at chapter three. Ricardo taught us and, and reminded us to not give up because God is able to do more than we could ever uh, do on our own or can imagine for ourselves, which leads us now to chapter four. Chapter four, again, is we're, we're turning the page. We're, we've looked at God's love for us, and now we're going to look at our role in the story, our love for one another. And, and to, to bring about this second half, I want to talk about this one word, responsibility. Responsibility. When, when you see that word, what do you think immediately? Perhaps you think of your work, or maybe you think of responsibilities at home, taking care of your kids, or, or maybe taking care of your elderly parents, or, or maybe taking care of a neighbor or a friend. Maybe you think of something that you gotta do, you know, you just have to do something. I don't know about you, but for me, when I think of responsibility, if I'm in school, I think of like exams and, and tests and study, I think of a burden. I think this word, more often than not, is burdensome, responsibility. And, and we could look at this second half of this book, the book of Ephesians, as a list of do's and don'ts, these things that we have to do. But my encouragement is that we recognize what God has done for us and flip this word and see it as a response ability. We have the ability to respond to any given circumstance in our lives because God is good and he is for us and he is with us. That's where he's going to teach us how to have this incorruptible love for one another. So in light of this, we're going to be looking at a list of responsibilities that we have as people, as believers. We're going to look at our church. That's today. Then we're going to be looking at uh, marriage and parenting and, and just our habits and our attitudes and even our workplace. So Paul hits all of these responsibilities, but my encouragement is that we see these as a response ability. We have the ability to respond because of what God has 
done for us. And today, we're going to be talking about unity. That's how Paul starts this second half of the book, is preserving the unity, having incorruptible unity inside of the church. Before we get to the uh, verses, well, I love watching the Olympics for many reasons. I love sports and I love the nations. We have all of uh, the flags representing many nations that we're partnering with. Some of those nations don't have Winter Olympic participants because, you know, Uganda, a little hot there. Uh, but we saw Australia and New Zealand win some gold medals. Anyway, here's the point. When watching this and, and uh, seeing all the flags, teaching my kids, hey, this flag is that, this flag is this, this flag is there. And then they have this opening ceremony. And one of the big uh, themes of the opening ceremony is unity. And they talk about how they're all united. And then uh, imagine, John Lennon, imagine all the people living for today. Hey, hey. And I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, there's not a lot of unity going on. I mean, geopolitics, there's war, threats of war, literally right then and there. Uh, these people, these athletes are competing against one another. This is not unity, right? And then I think about our communities and even our churches. We're supposed to be united, and yet there's tension and there's division. And instead of people working toward one another, we have people fighting and competing here. Why is that? That's because we live in a fallen world. And we are a church made up of imperfect people. But we have a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's how Paul starts this second part. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, then I urge you, to live a life worthy of, a, of the calling that you have received. Paul is in prison. Paul is in chains. And he is urging his children, his, this young church, to live a life worthy of the calling that they have already received. So they've received this calling. That's what the first three chapters are about in the book of Ephesians. And, and now we're, uh, he's saying, now I want you to live it out. I want you to live this life worthy of the calling that you have received. I think about my kids. You know, I, I urge you, son, to put your shoes on when it's raining outside because you're going to slip. I urge you, daughter, to put your jacket on when it's 17 degrees outside because you're going to freeze. It's what's best for you. And Paul is urging us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. It actually mirrors what he writes to the Romans in chapter 12. It's a big therefore, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, another urgent plea from Paul, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of God's mercy, in light of God's mercy, Offer up your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what is the first thing that we need to know about having this incorruptible unity in the church? 
We got to know that we've been called. We got to know our calling before we talk about position and and, and, in our own way to serve God. We have all been individually called by God. Just like Hector praying for that man who doesn't yet believe in God. He's been called. He's been called. The question is, are we going to answer the call? Are we going to pick up the phone and say, God, yes, I believe that you are the almighty God who came down to earth to pay the price for my sin and bring me everlasting life. That's the call. That's what God wants us to to recognize is he's calling, he's pursuing. Are we going to answer that call and then actually talk back and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm here to serve. I'm I'm here to follow you. So the first thing in maintaining unity is we each individually need to know we're not doing this for the sake of a veneer of unity like the Olympics. We're, we're here to be a part of being the uh, a living organism that is the body of Christ here on earth. Call, answer the call and respond. Let's keep reading verse two. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. So he gives us how. How do we maintain the unity? We need to have this type of culture. This type of culture that's completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love and make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. I highlighted some words in red because these are five cultural attitudes that we are to have in the church. I challenge us to live these out in your families, in your workplace, with your friends. Try to see if this dispels division intention. I think it will. Think about it. When we are humble, like Jesus was, not considering ourselves any better or greater than anybody else, but considering ourselves less than and serving others. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Uh, Gentle. This means kind of like patient. It means just soft. It means maybe quiet. It means confident because we know that we're going to be okay. So we can be gentle, not rushed, patient. We can all use a little bit more patience, I think, in every aspect of life. And then this is a big one, bearing with one another in love. Making allowances for one another is what another translation says here. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. These are five attitudes that Jesus lived out. He was kind, he was king, and he came down. He was gentle, he was confident, but he was not rushed. He spoke firmly and he rebuked sharply. He was patient. He knew the father's timeline was perfect and he was not rushed. He puts up with us, doesn't he? He's patient and he is peace. He is good with God and he wants us to be good with God and good with others. So perhaps we're quick to get angry, then we need to work on 
Patience, maybe we have the tendency to be proud, arrogant, egocentric, boastful. Well, then we got humility. Uh, maybe we are insensitive at times, perhaps a bit bullish, rough, bossy, or quick to impose on others. Then we work on gentleness if we struggle with being intolerant with the shortcomings of other people. We need to work on bearing with one another in love. And then this bond of peace is what unites us. That's what we need to protect here and with the larger body of Christ. Here's why. Because we all have one thing in common. We all need Jesus. And if we are Christians, then we're aware that we, we have sin and we need a savior. And so we can hold those things in common and, 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 and embrace those as we seek to be united with others. As I read this passage, I'm reminded of a monthly gathering that happens in San Marcos. These are pastors that are gathering to pray, to, to, to be united in prayer for their city. A lot of differences in theology, a lot of differences in denominations, but here's a group of pastors that put those aside so that they can be united and have this bond of peace and pray for their city. We have the same thing here in Wimberley. We do this once a month through the Ministerial Alliance and we are for one another. And so he is saying, we need to be united. Why? In verse four, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all in all. The word one is mentioned seven times. And we know in scripture, when the number seven is uh, cited, it means that it's perfect, perfect unity. We are to be one because he is one. And this is what Jesus prayed for right before going to the cross. In John chapter 17, three different times, I have them cited here. Jesus prayed for unity in the body. Protect them when he's speaking to, uh, about us. Protect them by the power of your name so that they may be one as we are one. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you and I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity is important to God. And we are learning how to preserve and maintain unity inside the body by knowing that we are all called by God and by having this culture of unity as we are humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love and having a bond of peace. Let's keep reading. But to each of us, verse seven, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So out of one, we all have diverse Gifts and personalities and quirks and cool things about us. That's the beauty of the body is that we are all different. 
Another uh, example of this, I worked in D.C. a couple of years, and, and um, you know, in the Capitol building, when you walk in, you see this big old Latin statement. It probably wasn't in that prayer guide, uh, Hector, that you were reading, but it says, E pluribus unum. This is the traditional motto of the United States of America. It says, out of many, one. It's, it's our way of trying to maintain unity here in this country. We come from diverse backgrounds. Initially, we are most, mostly immigrants and hundreds of years later, how is that working out for us? We don't have a lot of unity in this country. And do you know why that is? Because Jesus Christ is missing. We were founded upon uh, biblical principles, but our world is lost. Where do you find that unity? You, you should be able to find it in the body of Christ, where we expound these cultural attributes that Jesus lived out when we know that we have been called by God. And so he is saying out, uh, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ, apportioned it. So we each have a different part of the grace of God. What for? Well, he picks up in verse 14. Uh, I'm sorry, in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. For what reason? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This third C is we are to complement one another. We have our calling. We have this culture. But then we all have individual gifts so that we can complement one another and build up the body of Christ. A few things that are important here. I'm going to zoom over this because we can get held on this passage, but I'm uh, zooming over big picture of what Paul is teaching us. He only calls out five positions here. We got apostles who would be the trailblazers, the pioneers, the founders. We have the prophets who speak forth what God is doing and will do. We have the evangelists that go after those that do not yet know Jesus with courage and with confidence and take the gospel to new places. We have the pastors who lead and protect and care for the people of God. And we have the teachers who explain God's truths in simple ways so that it could be applied in people's lives. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are five positions that Paul is speaking to, but it's not an exhaustive list. We have Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Peter 4 that all talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit for building up the body of Christ. Here's what I want you to know today. These are divine assignments. They're, they're not our identity. They're not who we are. My role as a pastor does not define who I am. My name is Jose Gabriel Barros Tavillo, and I am a son of the living God, an imperfect human being with a family that I prioritize and taking care of them, and I just so happen to be in this position in this time period. My time will pass, and I will pass the baton, and I'm excited to be a small part of a greater story. We all have a, store, a part to play. I call this our divine assignments. Here's how we find our divine assignment. The first thing is we need to know that this is full-time ministry. 
This isn't just a church uh, usher role. God bless you ushers or, or greeter. God bless you greeters or kids ministry. This is full-time ministry that we are talking about. Hector and I didn't plan this, but this guy is in full-time ministry praying for those that he's working with. We see the connection. That's what it looks like to be on mission 24-7, no matter what you are doing. So that's the first thing. The second is we, we find a need. What are some needs around us that we can fill, that we can serve? I'll tell you a few. You heard about focus. Some of you, I know, are willing to open up your house to 30 sixth graders, maybe not 30, maybe 15 uh, sixth graders and say, Lord, this is your house and ministry is going to happen in this place and salvation is going to come to this house because uh, of this opportunity. There's a fox out there. Okay, sorry. I just uh, distracted everybody, but I haven't seen a fox out there. They're normally by the den. All right, moving on. Uh, focus. The, see, sixth graders, I've just acted like one. Open, maybe, maybe that's a sign for us to open up your home and, and welcome all the kids so that they can know how loved they are by Jesus. So here we go. Find a need. Uh, kids ministry, huge need. Teachers to pour in to our kids and teach them about Jesus. If that's an interest of you, talk to Scarlett, our kids pastor. We have needs for greeters and, and ushers. Find a need, start small. And then if you find joy in your heart while you're doing it, and then other people say, hey, you're actually kind of naturally gifted at that, then you may then you may realize this is my divine assignment. Follow the favor and most importantly, remember the purpose. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about building up the body of Christ. Too often we focus on the position instead of the purpose. And I believe that that's what real maturity looks like in a body when we are all functioning in our lanes, working together, recognizing that this is to the glory of God and God alone. That is compliment. Know our divine assignment. And this is the last one. Uh, Verse 14 gives us the resolution. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. When we know that we've been called, when we are living out these cultural uh, attitudes, when we are activated and when we know our divine assignment and we're complimenting one another, you know what the result is? Confidence. We have this confidence that we are doing what God has created us to do beyond whatever our vocation is or beyond whatever circumstance we may be going through. There is this peace that comes with confidence. When I preached on peace a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my men's community group and we were talking about peace and there was some rumbling, there was some grumbling because they said, you know what? I don't like peace. 
peace is boring, kind of like Hector. I'm calling out Hector all night and day, but he's saying, it's, fro it's freezing out there. There's probably people that need help. I don't want to just be hunkered down. I want to be activated. I want to go and do, and I think that's the warrior in us, right, guys? That we want to be used. We want to help. We want to fix. It's interesting. We, as we were talking about it, it just kind of landed. When we are doing what God's called us to do, that gives us confidence, which is peace. We have this understanding that we are truly living out who we are in this season of life. That's the confidence that Paul is speaking to here, no matter what may be going on. There may be storms back and forth, but, but we're no longer infants, meaning we're fully activated followers of Jesus serving one another to build up the body, to grow and build the body up in love and love. Worship team, you can come back. Jesus was serious about unity. Right before he prayed those verses in John 17, he says this in John uh, 13. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we want to show the world God's love, it starts in here. We need to be united. We need to recognize that God has done so much for us. That's the calling. We need to live out those attributes, that culture of Jesus. We need to complement one another as we're activated by our gifts. And finally, we need to have that confidence that no matter what may be going on, we stand firm because we know that we're living out what God's called us to do. Let's pray. I thank you, God, that you are faithful to love us. You're faithful to show us where you want us to go and, and, and what areas you want us to serve in. And Lord, I pray for anyone in the house that may be in that first category with, with the calling. Maybe they're just checking you out. They're letting the phone ring. And I pray, Father, that it would be your kindness, your kindness, that will lead them to a knowledge of who you are and your love for them. I thank you, Father, that you have given us this ability to respond. It's not a burden to be a part of your body. It, this is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's an opportunity and a tremendous privilege as we follow you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lead us. I pray that you would activate us to build up your church and be united in your love. In Jesus' name.